welcome to At the Root with Greg Kuyper. Greg is a psychotherapist and holistic life coach. He is the man behind Kuyper Counseling. Through his professional practice and personal experience, Greg knows that without connection to ourselves, connection with others is impossible because emotional connection is at the root of healthy living. If you have a question for Greg or a comment, please feel free to call 425-373-5527. For those of you that are fumbling for a pen, 425-373-5527. Or remember, you can go to KuiperCounseling.com and you can connect with Greg and learn more about him and his services there. So that chuckle was from the man himself. Hello, Greg. Hello. How are you? I am doing Good to see well. You, Good to see you, too. Yeah. So... Last week, the episode that we did, I titled it Avoidant Attachment or Good, I Feel Good. Which <laughs> Okay, I like that. <laughs> I didn't see that, but that's good. Well, you know, we were talking about, um, obviously, avoidant attachment. And we were talking about, um, you know, what it might look like, the whole idea of the discomfort with emotions and how to identify and express them and really talking about the pressing need for emotional language and literacy. Yeah, that emotional language and literacy is really important. And uh, we're going to backtrack a little bit today as we segue back into that, maybe next week even. Um, You know, we've been centered around this insecurely attachment Talking, right? That's mm-hmm. what we've been discussing. And, and you know, and, and one of the symptoms of this is how, that part of our life is lacking emotional feeling, expression, and sharing, right? Many of us deal with that. And, and in particular, we've talked a bit, like you said, about this being part of an avoidantly attached person. Mm-hmm. So after the show, I'm experiencing some uncertainty about how I may have presented that, in or, and, and so in order to alleviate my insecurity here, <laughs> <laughs> I would like to offer some further understanding, maybe clarify a little bit. Okay. Uh, yeah, if we have difficulty feeling, expressing, and sharing emotions, it doesn't mean that we are avoidantly attached. It is a symptom of that attachment style, right, as it is a symptom of all insecurely attached, not just the avoidantly attached. Okay. So well, it's not if one, then the other. Right. Okay. Right. And I, 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 I'm not so sure I made that clear, right? By definition, difficulty with emotions is not part of being securely attached, though, right? And, right. And, however, even the securely attached among us can experience a hit to that security with ourselves and in relationships, right? A, a traumatic event, experience, deep betrayal of our trust, there's a good one, a threat to our beliefs and values. All of these things can disturb, interrupt, or damage our knowing of being secure in ourselves and others, emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. So a big part of being a securely attached individual is resilience, right? The ability to bounce back. And we can't assume resilience is static. It's not. Just because we may have 
earned a black belt in resilience early on in our securely attached relationships, that doesn't mean we are safe forever. Our resilience is continually tested, as is our ability to self-regulate emotions. So being disconnected from our early caregivers results in the insecure attachment we can still be living with today. Does that make sense? It does. And I have a question. Yes. Or a comment. So when you talk about how um, resilience um, is not static, people shouldn't confuse stoicism with resilience. Just because you're stoic, it doesn't mean that you're resilient. You... Yeah, stoicism to me implies what it is, kind of just hiding, you know. Right. 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 Being stoic, no one knows what's really in there. That's kind of my feeling around it. I don't know what the Webster definition is. I agree with you, and I just, I say it because I have a tendency to kind of think of, like, look at me, I'm so resilient. I'm, I slings and arrows and, you know, death by a thousand cuts, and here I am, (laughs) you know, and I'm still standing kind of a thing. And that, you know, you can be stoic, um, and that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you're not dealing with these things. Right. Resilient. It says there's a lot of things involved in resilience, but the basic is part is you're able to bounce back from a, a, mistake or f- from something that's hurt you. You're able to bounce back and, and come back to an emotional regulation sooner, as quick as you can, not okay. sooner. You know, that's resilience. Okay. And does that mean then that you have dealt with said obstacle or setback? Or does it mean that, you know, so let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. I, um, I, Let's say I have a relationship and I break up with that person and I don't and I'm like, I'm fine. And, you know, I I bounce back and I'm like, okay, everything's good. Um, Perhaps, though, I've bounced back, but have I dealt with maybe some of the underlying issues of the breakup? Yeah, I think resilience almost, well, not almost, it requires really a dealing with with the, the that's part of resilience is being able to um, regulate those emotions okay. figure them out um, uh, learn from the mistake and right then move forward. and yep. then move forward okay right. cool i'm right. i'm asking for like that clarification sure. piece sure. okay so the ability to regulate our emotions right is key to existing peacefully and in congruence with others we all know what happens when we don't regulate emotions effectively, right? I mean, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You do. <laughs> Come to my house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but that, and that's just part of being human. But if we can learn how to regulate them, we can exist more in congruence with others and feel better about ourselves, right? Development of self-regulation is dependent on predictable responsive and supportive caregivers and environments and we're talking about for for kids for children you know okay 
predictable, responsive, and supportive caregivers and environments, right? So we've got self-regulation, but we've also got co-regulation. And this is an interactive process. Adult caregivers, such as, you know, parents, teachers, coaches, mentors, they, they, they play a crucial role in supporting and shaping the development of self-regulation. So what we're saying here is that co-regulation early on in life with caregivers is the, the pathway, if you will, to being able to self-regulate later in life. So what's co-regulation mean? It just simply means sharing emotional experiences together. Right? You think about children. I mean, their emotions are all over the place. They're trying to figure out emotions. I mean, it's just what is this that's happening to me, right? Mm -hmm. Little kids, babies, I'm talking about, you know, infants, whatever, toddlers. For instance, when a child is sad, taking the time to be sad with the child rather than shushing their crying and essentially denying their emotional learning, right? But there's more to it than just that, right? The caregivers must also provide a warm relationship, environmental structure, and skills instruction and coaching, right? So this is a, this is a big job uh-huh. for parents and caregivers to, to engage in co-regulation of emotions with their children so that later on in life, they can self-regulate their own emotions. We are the first experiences these kids have around emotions, right? It's, it's, it's often easy to dismiss these feelings as caregivers were awfully busy, right? They'll get over it. That's the way I learned about emotions, right? You hear, I hear it all the time. And yes, yes, it was the way you learned, and I would challenge you to look at that way and look at it how you self-regulate today. How do you self-regulate? Author and activist R.L. Nost said, When little people are overwhelmed with big emotions, it is our job to share our calm, not join their chaos. I love that. I love this so much, and I just have to say, oops. Um <laughs> Because I, I feel like it's worth saying again, when little people are overwhelmed with big emotions, it is our job to share our calm, not join their chaos. Right. And I'm I'm not kidding. Like, I think about how overwhelmed I was with four kids, mm. and a mistake that I made was very often joining the chaos because there was just, everything was heightened, and, you know, and I right. felt out of control, and and that's really difficult, and it's such a beautiful way of saying it. Co-regulating with other people, with these kids. And and it's true with adults too, right? Co-regulation is important all the way through our life. There's been so much study and research that co-regulation is really just an innate feature of our human existence. It's, it's just part of us, that social connection, co-regulating, sharing, you know, Co-regulation is the way one person's nervous system influences the nervous system of another. Energy, baby. There you go. I mean, so how are we going to influence this person's nervous system that we are with right now? When, when we can become aware of these interactions between these nervous systems, 
we can change the dynamic in order to be more healthy and happy and be fulfilled. So that's what we're shooting for. And not only for ourselves, but for the other people. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean. It's a domino effect. It is. Co-regulation is is not just a descriptor of adult support for children, right? But it's an interactive process of regulatory support in all relationships in an ongoing manner for all of our existence. It's this journey that we go on. A constant dynamic process of creating and maintaining fulfilling relationships. This emotional connection and attunement we've been talking about forever. That's what we're talking about. Dr. Diane Poole Heller says it quite simply. I admire this person very much. No relation. No, it isn't, by the way. (laughs) At our core, we are social beings who regulate through connection with others. She goes on to say, if you didn't grow up with a compassionate exchange, your nervous system has a gap where that interactive regulation should be. Making it more difficult as you age to trust others, ask others for help, or even think of asking for help when you need it. Whoa. Right there. That is... The very definition of the insecurely attached right there. So learning co-regulation leads to the ability to self-regulate, which is essentially learning how to take a pause between a feeling and an action. Taking the time to think things through, make a plan, and wait patiently. Oh, God. Right? I mean... (laughs) Because I'm so good at that. Yeah, yeah. Well, all of us are just experts, right? It allows us to stay calm under pressure and to bounce back from failure, back to the resilience. But it's important to, to take note of that again. Taking a pause between a feeling and an action. Right? Taking the time to think things through, make a plan, and wait patiently. Now, this doesn't mean minutes or hours of studying and thinking about this, but right. but in these short times, if we can just turn it from a reaction to some thoughtful action, mm-hmm. right? Co-regulation is being mindful right there, right? Being aware and allowing cognitive reappraisal. I like that term, cognitive reappraisal. Basically, acting thoughtfully, not reacting, right? That's what we're talking about here. Yeah, I'm thinking like, you know, it's the holidays and your kid, for instance, you've just baked a tray of cookies, they're beautifully decorated, whatever. Whether your kid is 5, 15, or 25, they drop said tray of cookies and (laughs) that frosts you, (laughs) to say the least. And so you have a snap reaction And the thing is, whatever the age is, it's an accident. And so I'm just thinking of these moments where we can all practice this as we're dealing with, you know, family and all of these things and putting it into practice. It's like, okay, like clearly this person is going to feel terrible about this. And (laughs) yes, it's going to be a moment. And so 
to your point, even just, okay, like, hmm, and thinking about how you're going to respond versus so, you idiot. <laughs> so after you got the cookies back up up the floor, Stacy, what happened then? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and it was a bush to Noel, and it was me, and it was years ago, okay? Oh, okay, okay. I thought maybe it was yesterday or something. No, 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 no. <laughs> you know me so well. <laughs> so it's it's no wonder we have difficulty feeling, expressing, and sharing our emotions. If we've never learned to self-regulate, resulting from never learning or being modeled to co-regulate, We've been looking for this emotional connection, this attunement that we've been talking about, that we seek with others, and it relies on co-regulation. And the emotional connection we seek with others relies on self-regulation. So this is all fine and dandy, right? But what do we do now? Under Understanding that we don't self-regulate because we never got our chance to co-regulate way back when, what do we do with that? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that was a rhetorical <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I phoned a friend and his name is Greg. Okay. Go All on. is not lost, right? We can learn how to co-regulate and self-regulate. Fortunately, our human brain is neuroplastic, which means that we can change it and we can change the way we think. It is... Not difficult, but it takes determination and a willingness to do it. And as with any change, the four P's we've talked about many times, presence, patience, practice, and positive thinking. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at how to gain the ability to regulate emotionally. In my opinion, this is one of the the top keys to living blissfully. First though, I believe it is important that we address this elephant in the room that we notice and politely acknowledge, but we really never ask to dance. It's just there on the, on, on the chair over on the side of the room. Feels like my high school years. But <laughs> yes. Our inability to feel Express and share emotions. That's the elephant. How can we learn to regulate what we don't allow to exist? Right? So we can't just talk about regulating emotions when we don't even allow them. Many of us. So our current automatic behavior is based on the premise that if we don't allow our emotions to exist, there's nothing to regulate. Bingo. Yeah, so problem solved, right? No, no. I think if we step outside ourselves and take a look, we, we see pretty clearly that this solution is not working and never has. We're going to have to figure out how to recognize and feel our emotions. So we're going to use tools and skills to work on this. And we're also going to recognize and admit that part of this process is going back and looking at those emotional wounds which started all this. We've been talking about that too. And the, excuse me, the bandages that we created in an attempt to lessen the pain, right? Further pre prevent damage. These bandages are what I call the implicit affective adaptations. 
the unconscious methods we concocted, we created, to avoid the thoughts and feelings around the wounds. So we adapted. We changed our personalities to include the illusions that contain these adaptations. So our personalities exist unconsciously, okay? And it's the autopilot of our daily lives. There is certainly some positive part existing within the automatic personality. It's not all negative. But, But for sure, the implicit affective adaptations and the illusions dwell there out of our awareness. Oof. It's going to be it, so. It's going to be a lot easier to address the wounds and adaptations if we do so with emotional awareness. So we're going to start there. I'm going to uh, introduce to you some skills and tools over the next little while. Who shows whatever it takes to expand this awareness. So what do you think? Well, there's really so much to unpack here. Um, (laughs) I think it is the part where you talk about how we have adapted and changed our personalities to include the illusions. You know, you've talked about that a lot, that it is essentially a coping mechanism Mm -hmm. um, of how, you know, we have these wounds from most likely our early childhood. Uh, So we therefore changed our personalities. If we were in a household where everything was supposed to look perfect and be perfect and be seen and not heard and things like that, then we changed our personalities to try to do that is what you're essentially saying. And so then there's these, uh, these illusions of who I am because I go out into the world and I present myself this way but it turns out I'm like, I'm a crazy mess. <laughs> and not in the clinical way, but, you know, right. like I have a lot to say or everything isn't perfect or whatever it right. is. And so then all of those feelings of inadequacy and that, you right. know, I'm secretly, um, you know, loud or have opinions or I'm messy or, you know, whatever it is. Shames in there. Right. A lot of shame. So, you know, so there's all of that. And... It's just fascinating to me that the personality piece um, is autopilot. And you've talked about Mm -hmm. that, that it is like in to some degree part of our personality as a facade. And that still blows me away. Yeah, that's those illusions and those adaptations or the the coping mechanisms that we elaborately put together. I mean, it is it is elaborate because we've been using them for years and for a while they worked. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they didn't. And then they're still automatically there. And eventually, at some point later in life, whenever that is, we get kind of slapped up the side of the head. Right. This really isn't working. Mm -hmm. Where did this come from? What do I do about it? And that's kind of what we're talking about here. It's very interesting. I have this uh, this concept that I'm playing with that when you hit a certain age, that you hit a reset and you're relearning some things. Yeah. So it feels like this is what we're doing a bit. All right, so speaking of relearning. Yeah, so before we go today, I'd like to give you some homework, everybody. It's not difficult, but as with any homework or assignment, you have to do it. 
So I would like for you to assign importance to this as you do to other assignments and tasks that you need to complete, just to see how this goes for you. First, I want you to turn your attention and your focus to what is going on inside your head and body each morning. First thing, you're laying in bed, ready to get up. Before you even get out of bed, take two or three deep breaths and gently focus your awareness on your body. What's going on? Do a quick scan, right? Irritations, tightness, crook in the neck, whatever it is, just your body. How's it going? The idea is to just be aware of it. No judgment. Then, turn your focus to what you are feeling. Are you already feeling anxiety around your day? Just notice this, okay? Maybe you're sad or maybe you're grateful, whatever it is. Acknowledge it and name it. That's all. Please use feeling words if you can. It's not like I'm fine. It's like I'm anxious or whatever. This is very important. So just take, a, take those breaths and go, what is this? Hmm, this is anxiety. Accept it with no judgment. You just want to see it. That's all we're asking for here is to acknowledge it and name it. So whatever it is in that moment. Yep, this is anxiety. That's it. See if you can sit with it for just a few moments, right? Letting it be there without judgment. Okay, so this is going to take one or two minutes. That's it. Then take another couple deep breaths and get up and go on with your day, right? And then I want you... I would like for you to do this, you know, maybe three times during the day. Once in the morning, once midday, and right before you go to sleep. And, and don't, you know, if you, if you miss a time, don't beat yourself up. Just get back on track as soon as you can. So remembering to do it will be the hardest part. So I'm thinking set some reminders, set some notifications, set an alarm. Oh, time to do this, right? The hyper commitment. There you go. So let's see. Let's see how this works. We're going to, we're taking steps here to, to make these changes. So let's do it. We can do it. I'm committed to the Kuiper commitment. All right. If you want to learn more again, go to KuiperCounseling.com. Greg, what do you want to tell us? Just stay aware, everybody. See you next week.